You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. We're in this series called Fully Charged, which we're launching today. And the whole idea of this series is life can seem like it's overwhelming sometimes where kind of like the the bumper show that uh, maybe your phone looks like it's about to die and it gives that signal or maybe your your car is dead or about to die. And and what we want to do is we want to talk about this idea in John 10, 10, where Jesus says that thief has come to steal, kill and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And so one of the things we want to talk about is how do we practically have that full life that we hear about? And so that's where we're going over the next couple of weeks. One, uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about today is what does it look like to have margin in our schedule? The next week, we'll talk about how do we have margin in our uh, relationships. And then the last week, we'll talk about how do we have margin in our finances. But I don't know if you've ever felt like you were running on empty. I know for me, it's not only been once or twice, I've had many seasons where I felt like I was running on empty, which is contrary to what Jesus is telling us. And so what I want to do is one, confess that I've been there and oftentimes am there, which means I'm off kilter of where Jesus wants me. But I don't know if that maybe defines you. Maybe you're here and you barely got here because you're running on empty. And I just, I'm excited because I believe that God's going to give you a life that's fully charged. And so one of the things for me, when I think about this illustration, I think about basically a car battery dying. And for me, I've had, uh, I've had car problems ever since I could drive. I like own a stake at AAA, you know what I'm saying? So like, I, I get it, man. I've had so many different cars die and different things. And uh, our next gen director, Tammy uh, Joseph and her husband, Wilson, they used to be our next door neighbors like 15 years ago. And one day their car, Wilson's truck wouldn't start. And so they thought, man, we need to get somebody that knows about cars. Let's reach out to them, see if they can come and give us a hand. And so they reached out to them and uh, they couldn't come. So then they called me. And so I I gladly said, yeah, I'll show up. I'll do what I can. And I bring over uh, some jumper cables. And listen, I'm going to tell you this. and, And this is a true story. A lot of people are like, man, you make up half these stories or exaggerate. I promise you, my life would be so much easier if I didn't make up these stories, but this is a true story. So I I get the jumper cables and I attach them to my car, which is uh, the first like adult big purchase I've had. So it's a, it's not a new car, but it's a nice car. I attach it to that. And then I come over here to Wilson's truck and I attach the jump cables to Wilson's truck. And I don't know if you know this ladies, but there's like a man code. Like you don't ever mess with another man's truck like ever. So I know that. So I'm already nervous. And I go to jump uh, his truck. And not only does it not work, but I notice that the jumper cables are extremely hot. So hot that I screamed to Tammy, Tammy, go in and get some oven mitts. I can't even, I can't even take them off. I'm scared what's going to happen. So now I got me thinking that I know anything about cars. I got two oven mitts on. And I'm trying to jump this car and I'm like, it's not working. It's hot. So then I take it off and I I take it off. And I said, I think I know what the problem is. I had two sets of jumper cables and I had a smaller set and then a bigger set. I don't know why there's sizes. I don't get it, but y'all do probably. So I said, okay, maybe we need the bigger ones. So I put the bigger ones on. And as soon as I put the bigger ones on, both cars started up all of a sudden, like a super Mario brothers fireball (laughs) ignites in the middle of the jumper cables. And it just goes, listen, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Okay. I have two options, his truck or my new baby. 
I, I ran to my baby with oven mitts on. I quickly took the cables off so my car was fine. By the time I was able to get to his, that fireball came and it melted the front of his car. Truck. It's not good. I know what y'all are thinking. That was your fault, Dustin. It's not. It's not. I'm going to tell you the same mistake they made that many of you make. Okay? You put your hope in the wrong person. Okay? That's not on me. That's not on me. True story. He's got a melted front hood, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. As if that's, you know, not the end of it. The car still doesn't start. And some of you are like, man, what happened? Because I want to make sure I don't do that. So I will tell you, maybe it was my fault, maybe it wasn't, but the mechanic that put their battery in accidentally mislabeled them. So the positive was negative, the negative was positive. It's been 15 years. I'm still trying to sue that guy. I don't know how to do it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. I, I felt like this so many times in my life. Not only am I running on empty, but as I'm on empty, I feel like I get kicked. I feel like not only does my car not start, not only is my life a mess, in the midst of that, a bill collector will call or this person will call or I have this relationship and I went from empty to like whatever the next level under empty is. And I'm like, God, I'm following you. I'm doing everything right. Where is your peace? Where is this fully charged life that you talk about? And so what I want to do is get into a practical three-week series of how you and I can live in this life that Jesus so often talks about and longs to give us. And here's the thing. We have overloaded lives. So much of our lives are overloaded. We have activity overload. We have choice overload. We have commitment overload, debt overload, fatigue overload, hurry overload, information overload, media overload, noise overload, people overload, technology overload. We have examples of overload, overload. So we have all kinds of things we're overloaded about. Here's just some stats that I've come across. People today sleep less, they sleep two and a half hours less than they did 100 years ago. So, we, we, so now we're not getting as much sleep. So two and a half hours less on average. Uh, another thing, it says that the average work, uh, the work week in America is longer than it was in the 60s. So we're getting less sleep and we're working more. As if that's not enough, the average office worker has 36 hours of work piled up on their desk, and they spend an average of three hours a week just sorting through all the stuff. So we're getting less sleep, we're working more, and we feel less productive because we have 36 hours of a to-do list that we're still behind on. And then if that's not bad enough, we take all that home, we put it in our back pocket, and we take that everywhere we go in a smartphone. Now listen, I'm not here to judge, and nobody elbow anybody, but there are people that I know on their, on their phone, there's an icon for your, your email, and there's a notification, there's a number on it of how many unread emails you have. What I would love to do, but I can't do this because I don't want to call anybody out, I'd love to see who has the most, but I have seen with my own eyes, people with 10,000, I've seen people with 20,000 unread emails. Like me just seeing that gives me anxiety. Like I don't even know how they could even function. Like I don't, that the amount, and some of y'all are like, it's okay, that's their spam. I would still check spam. Like just that notification messes with me. And it's like, man, we're overwhelmed in every area. And it sounds a lot like Job from the Bible where he says, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. And I don't know if that describes you or sounds like you, but if it is, I have good news, and his name is Jesus. 
Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says, it says, come to me. This is Jesus talking. All, all you who are weary and burdened, that's all us. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what I wanna do for this series is we're gonna, this is gonna be the verse that we're gonna challenge everybody to memorize. And so y'all are like, man, that's really long. We're not gonna memorize that whole thing. We're gonna just memorize the first sentence and it's this, it's come to me. I'm gonna say it a couple times first and then I'll bring you in. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest, Matthew eleven. 28. And so this is what I want to encourage. I want to challenge us to remember this because this is the way of Jesus. We know the way of culture. We, we've got that memorized of go fast, go as fast as possible, do as much as possible, over, over, over. And what we got to get is the way of Jesus ingrained in us where he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And before we memorize this, just hold this up for a little bit. I, I, I get this because I lived this out. In my early 20s, I'll just give you an example. In my early 20s, true story, my goal was to, to reach 2 billion teenagers with the gospel. I did the message uh, or I did the math and I figured if there's a, about six or seven billion people on the planet, maybe two of them are teenagers. And I was a youth pastor. So I thought my goal is to reach 2 billion of them. That, that may sound like a good goal, but what was I doing? I was putting unnecessary burdens on myself that God never gave me. Because that meant with that goal, I was going to bed disappointing myself every single night until I reached 2 billion people. That's just crazy. And some of us are putting burdens on our shoulders that God never meant for you to carry. Some of you are carrying a burden that God's like, why are you doing that? That's not how I've designed you. Let me take care of that. And so let's memorize this together. Lake County online, let's all apopka. Let's say this together at the count of three. One, two, three. Come to me and I will give you rest. Matthew. That's great. That's great. That was great if this was a library. We're going to try it one more time as if we're at a sporting event. Let's say it loud and proud on the count of three. One, two, three. It's beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. Lake County, I'm sure you're in, online in. And so the challenge is let's memorize this together. And Jesus is telling us, one, come to him. I don't know if you've ever uh, observed this about Jesus. Jesus did very little of his ministry in the actual temple, in the church. You know where he did most of his ministry? By, by walking in the community. And you cannot do ministry going fast. You do it going slow. This is why one of my favorite verses seems simple, but it's John 9. John 9, 1. It says this, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. That's it. And that's where we're going all today, all day today. As Jesus was walking along, that tells us his pace. Because he had a slow pace, he was able to see a man. And when he saw a man, he had compassion on him. So much of us, we have pain in our neighborhoods and our family, but we don't see it because we're going too fast. Our pace is so fast that we don't see the people around us. And if we can't see their pain, we can't have compassion and then we can't help their pain. But Jesus saw the man's pain. And here's the thing I want you to know today. Jesus sees you. Jesus is going a lot slower than you are, and he sees you. Life is not too busy that you have passed by God. And there, there is this idea that a lot of people think, man, God is, his schedule's too busy. He's too big. He doesn't see me. Listen, he sees you. 
He knows you. He knows your pain, your struggles, and he loves you. There was a guy about 50 years ago that wrote a book called The Three Mile Per Hour God. And what he was saying is that God moves at three miles per hour because that's how fast Jesus would walk. It's the three mile per hour God and God walks at three miles per hour. And I just want you to know that he sees you. I don't know if you know this, but at Disney, there's something called hidden Mickey's. I don't know if anybody see these hidden Mickey's. Some of y'all see them. Yeah, I thought it was kind of common knowledge. And I was talking to my dad about them a couple days ago. He had no idea what I was talking about. So here's the deal. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, if you go to Disney, I think it's, it's a lot of their resorts as well, but definitely there are theme parks. They literally have what's called hidden Mickey's. These are the logo of Mickey that are just hidden. It could be hidden in like a tile on the ground or maybe in the ceiling or on the wall in the wallpaper. And it's just a little fun game they throw in there to see if you can find the hidden Mickey's. Now, here's what I know. I have never seen a hidden Mickey while I was on a roller coaster ever. Like I'm going way too fast to even look for a hidden Mickey. But when I walk through Disney, I find myself doing this and then I'll look at the walls and I'll look at the ceiling. You see, you can't find a hidden Mickey when you're going too fast. And here's, here's what I think. I think there are spiritual kind of hidden Mickey's that God designed for us to see when we go slow. There are spiritual blessings that God has placed and hidden everywhere that he says, if you would just go slow enough, you would, you would see this blessing that I've hidden for you, but you can't see, you can't experience it by going too fast. I have a buddy of mine that he helps me live this out really well. And what he does is anytime there's a big event or something like this, where a service and there's just a lot going on and it's all good. What he'll do is he'll come up to me and he'll just put his arm around me. And I know what he's doing. He doesn't look at me. He just is side by side. And he goes, so thank God good. And what he's wanting me to do is stop and smell the spiritual roses that God has planted. And so my encouragement for you and for me is God has planted spiritual roses that we have flown by and we can't even smell the aroma because we're too busy. And God's saying, just stop and smell what I've planted for you. Slow down enough to appreciate the gifts I've given you. It's one of the things that I was able to do last weekend with Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday, I just was blown away what God was doing. I just went, thank you. Matter of fact, Super Bowl Sunday, Lake County, I got to give it to you. What took place in Lake County last week was absolutely unbelievable. We had almost, just for those that don't know, at our Lake County campus, we had almost the same amount of people show up last Sunday that we did last Easter. And Easter is the biggest day of the year for us. So what God is doing in Lake County, we just want to say thank you and we're with you. And Lake County, we love you. Isn't that awesome? Apopka, I'm not done with you, but because we've seen God move incredibly here at Apopka. As a matter of fact, we uh, about a month ago, we were praying, God, would you allow 300 missionaries to go to the 830 service so that we could free up seats at the 10 o'clock service? And, and because our journey is awesome, we had over 400 missionaries go to the 830 service. And here's the deal. We had 437 people go to the 830 service last week. And the only reason I'm telling you this uh, on the numbers side of things, we had 437 go to 830 last week. And if that wouldn't have happened, we literally would have had to turn hundreds and hundreds of people away from our 10 o'clock service and our 1130 service because they opened up seats and then God filled them the very next week. So Popka, I want to say thank you as well for God is using you. And I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. 
Maybe you're here and you are a first-time visitor in the past couple weeks, and we, you just need to know somebody you don't even know loved you so much that they're going to go to a service that's more inconvenient because they just want you to hear the hope of Jesus. I love that about Journey. So here's the thing. I want to talk quickly. Uh, we're going to talk about three benefits of margin, and then I'm going to give you five steps how to have margin. Here's the thing. Uh, first step or first benefit is this to margin. You will have a healthier mind. If you have margin in your life, you will have a healthier mind because this is what it says, uh, or this is what I believe. A hurried life equals a worried life. A hurried life equals a worried life. So when you and I are rushing around, it creates stress and anxiety in our lives. It's one of the things I love about Rick Warren. He says this idea, Rick Warren, when it comes to uh, this idea of uh, margin, he says, margin is the space between our load and our limits. Margin is the space between our load and our limits. So our, our, our load is here and our limit is here and everything in between is margin. And when we shrink that margin, when we go from appointment to appointment, appointment, or we overload our lives, we shrink the margin. And that's when we begin to have stress. And we'll talk about that in a minute. The second benefit is this. Uh, when we have margin, you have a healthier body. Just, just a normal good day, your body has wear and tear. But even a stressed out day, an overloaded day, our body needs margin and time to repair itself. So when you have margin, you have a healthier body. You have a healthier mind. Third thing is you have healthier relationships. When you have margin, you have healthier relationships. When you don't have margin, you give the people that you love the most the worst of you. You understand that when you don't have margin, you give the people you love the most your worst. Studies have shown that, that not only does your family get your worst, that families that don't have margin have more conflict, more fights, more argument, and dis, more dysfunction just because of this one thing called margin. So here's five steps to living a life, a margin. I'm going to fly through these. Uh, step one is this, accept your limitations. First one we need to do is, listen, I cannot say yes to every invitation. You cannot say yes to every invitation. We cannot do everything. We are limited beings, you and I. And we need to understand that because the world culture tells us we can do as much as we want, anything we want. You're limitless. You can do whatever you want. But that's not what God says. And Psalm 119, 96 says, even perfection has its limits, but your commands have no limits. And what it's saying is, it says, God, you are limitless, but we are limited. We have limits. We can't fly. We can't swim to the depths of the ocean. You and I have limits, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally as well. And this idea of this is our, our load and this is our limit and this space in between is margin. What happens when we get close to our limit, something, something kind of God gives us an, an innate flashing uh, light on our dashboard. It's called stress. And some of y'all, I don't know how you treat your cars. I used to treat my cars like I would play bingo with those lights. You know what I'm saying? I would like, I would never pay attention to them. And then I realized what they were for. And so I don't know how you are, but God gives these, these lights in our, the, the dashboard of our life. And stress is actually a good thing. Some of you are like, stress is not a good thing. Stress is a good thing. Let me explain to you why. If you were to take your hand and you were going to put it on a stove, because you experience pain, which is a good thing, you would remove it immediately. If you left it there, it would actually cause you more harm. So pain is a good thing. Same thing with stress. When you have stress, what stress is, is a signal that something's not right and you need to readjust your life or you're going to be overloaded. You're going to handle too much. So stress is actually an indicator light that we need to pay attention to. We have limits. 
Listen to what you're stressed out about. Step two, know what drives you to overload your life. Know what drives you to overload. All of us overload our lives for some reason or another. And this is what I would tell you. Do not make the reason somebody else's fault. Our lives are overloaded because of something we have done most of the time, if not all the time. And we want to blame somebody else or the man or something else. So here's the thing. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. And so what we want to do is just examine ourselves. Here, here, I'm going to give you, there's a lot of examples. I'm going to give you several reasons why we might overload our life. One might be because of FOMO. Y'all remember FOMO, the fear of missing out. So like that might be mine. Like I, I love being around people. I don't want to, I don't want to hear about a party. I, did, I miss. like, I love being everywhere. I love being with people. I have FOMO. I don't want to miss out on anything. So I might overload my life because I want I don't want to miss out on something. I need to know that. So I can navigate that. Some of you might be with me. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe you struggle with insecurity. So you say yes to too many things because you're insecure. Maybe it's envy. Maybe you overload your life because you're envious. You don't actually need a second job. You can live life enough with one job, but you want a second job so that you can afford what your neighbors have. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's people pleasing. Maybe it's perfectionism. I don't know what it is, but I would say figure out what is at the root of you overloading your life. And then it's simple. You just bring that before God. Say, God, I struggle with envy. Would you forgive me? And would you fill that void? God, I struggle with people pleasing. Would you help me to, to try to please only you so that I don't overload my life so I can have a life full of peace and rest? And he will meet us where you're at. Third step is this. Expect delays and problems. Expect delays and problems. Some of you are like, yeah, I've been there, done that. You, you see it coming a mile away. All right. John 16, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Listen, I'm born and raised in Orlando. I am shocked. I'm shocked. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm shocked how many people that have been in Orlando for decades and when I talk to them, they talk to me about I-4 traffic as if it's a new thing. <laughs> Seriously. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, I'll talk to them. And they're like, oh, and then I-4 traffic. I mean, it came out of nowhere. I'm like, what do you mean it came out of nowhere? It's been like that for decades. Expect delays and problems. And you're like, you're thinking like, well, isn't that what all the construction seven years that solved it? No, listen, if you're new here, if you're new here, take out a pen, get your phone out. I'm about to give you a cheat sheet, okay? I don't care what time of day you're on I-4. I don't care. You're going to experience traffic in three areas. Spoiler alert, okay? Downtown around Lake Ivanhoe, okay? Downtown. The B-line, for no apparent reason, there's never a wreck, okay? I don't get it. And then anything within like 100 yards or 100 miles of Disney, okay? So anywhere near Disney. So like, you don't need to be shot, like expect delays. And you're like, what do you mean expect delays? Well, you, you're going to get somewhere in one of three places, either early on time or late. And if you're planning on being on time or late, then chances are you're, you're always going to be late because we need to expect delays. Some of y'all, you're like, man, I don't feel this stress of being late that you're talking about. And I would say, listen, the rest of us know you don't feel that. And we want you to feel that. Okay. <laughs> Because we feel your stress of you constantly being late and not caring. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah. People are like, what do you mean stress being late? It's all good. I'll get there when I get there. Okay. 
So, so here, here's the thing, expect delays. I remember last year we were traveling on vacation and we were out of state and we were, we were driving and I had my, my map, my GPS, and then all of a sudden I saw the red lines. You know what red lines are, heavy traffic. And it's not rerouting me, so I have to go through it. I saw this an hour before I actually hit the traffic, an hour before. Then I hit the traffic and I found myself grumpy and frustrated. And I started, and my wife and I are talking and it was like, what am I doing? Like I saw the traffic an hour away and I'm still like surprised by it. And why? Because I forgot this verse. Jesus is like, expect problems, expect delays. Listen, we, that's what margin is for. Just expect things not to always go perfect. I've never done a project on my home where I haven't been to Home Depot a dozen times. <laughs> I'm here and preach. <laughs> That's from the wives. Okay, y'all calm down. All right. <laughs> Step number four, prune your calendar regularly. Prune your calendar. Listen, we always put more things in the calendar. I don't ever hear people taking things off of it. We need to prune our calendars regularly. I think many of us have room for God in our hearts, but not in our calendars. And I want us to be a people that give God not just our hearts, but our calendars. Say, God, have your way. I don't know, uh, I heard someone once say this, I don't know who originally said it, that said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Because here's the thing, I don't know if you know this, but busyness and sin on some level have the same impact. It disconnects you from God and from people. You cannot love people well and love God well when you're going 100 miles an hour, you just can't do it. Love has a speed. Ecclesiastes 3.6 says, there is a time to keep and a time to throw away. And so here's the thing, when we're talking about pruning what's on your calendar, everything on your calendar, listen, everything on your calendar looks good. You're not going to get to your calendar and see bad things. Like nobody has on their calendar Thursday at two o'clock, rob a bank. Like we don't have that. If you have that, we should talk. Okay. Like let's talk before Thursday, preferably. Everything on your calendar is good. But not everything, you can't do everything that is good all the time in every season. That's what Paul talks about. He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything's beneficial. So I would ask you, you may have the right to do everything, but not everything's beneficial right now in every season of your life. That's why we can't compare because they're in a different season with different circumstances. You cannot compare. So you need to go, okay, God, what do you want my calendar to look like right now? What, what do I need to say yes? What do I need to say no to? Step five. Make Jesus your pace setter. Make Jesus your pace setter. I don't know if we have any NASCAR fans in the house. Come on. All right, we got some NASCAR fans. So if you go to a NASCAR race or if you watch it on TV, some of you are like, I don't get racing. They just go in circles, 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 circles. People like that, okay? So these are the race cars. They go really fast. This is a pace setter car. And what he does at the beginning of a race or anytime there's a caution flag or a wreck or anything, the pace setter will come out in front of everybody else and he will go extremely slower than what they are capable of. Hear this. Jesus goes slower than you are capable of, but he goes at the pace of your soul, not your productivity. And so Jesus comes and we need to make him the pace setter because he goes three miles an hour. And you're like, man, I ain't got time for this. And you're trying to go around Jesus. And what he does is he lets us do whatever we want. But when we come around Jesus is when we now have the burdens. And he's saying, no, 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 no. If you follow me, it's light. The burden is easy. I just never meant for you to be the pace setter. I'm the pace setter. So slow down. 
and go three miles an hour, maybe even two and a half miles an hour and follow me. Let me be the pace setter. Psalm 119, 105 says this, says your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. I have this flashlight. I didn't bring this flashlight with me. Someone gave it to me as a gift before the service. So I felt this is a supernatural light. So they didn't know I was talking on this. Here's the deal with the light. And in the context of this verse, the light is meant to shine my next step. Okay, they didn't have electricity. What the, the verse is not talking about, you can see everything. It's not during the day. God gives you enough for that next step, which means you have to be walking in order to see the next step. If you're running, you will miss it. You're like, is that true, Dustin? Yes, it's true. I did an experiment. <laughs> when I was in high school, we played something called manhunt. It's kind of like hide and go seek. And it was, uh, it was a bunch of us. It was at camp and me and my buddy were together and, and we were running. I mean, it is pitch dark. We're in the middle of nowhere in the woods, some camp, and we are running fast. The problem was there were two people, one flashlight. You see, he is the one that had the flashlight. I did not. And so he and I started off running side by side. And I don't know if he kept looking back or if he was slower. I don't know what the deal was, but I, I, I started getting ahead of him which wasn't a problem because the light was still able to shine a little bit further. But then I got a little bit ahead, a little bit ahead, a little bit ahead. I was not going at three miles an hour. I was going fast. And you see, I realized this verse that God is talking about is true because as I was literally sprinting as fast as I could and as hard as I could, I just drilled a tree. Boom. And my buddy didn't see a thing, but he heard it and did what every high school dude does. He just lost it laughing. Like I'm bleeding, I'm down. My buddy is losing it. And I feel like that's us. Like we're like going a hundred miles an hour and God's behind us with the flashlight. Like, man, you have no idea what direction to go. You don't know where you're going. No wonder your life's stressful. I bought this a little while ago. This is a compass and it has one of my favorite Bible verses on it. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You see, a compass is not something that we use a lot in our day and age. It was a lot more useful in other generations. But what a compass will do is it'll tell you what direction you're going in. And you see, what I know about a compass is you cannot sprint through life and use a compass at the same time. You have to make a choice. Are you going to slow down so you could read the compass to make sure you're going in the right direction? Or are you going to go fast and ignore the compass? And this is the illustration I want to show for you today. This is a compass. This is a speedometer. A speedometer tells you how fast you're going. And this is what most of us in America, we're just like, man, go, 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 accomplish, accomplish, do as much as possible. And I think Jesus is more interested in our direction than our speed. And we can't set our direction when we're going 100 miles an hour. Some of you have been going 100 miles an hour and you've been going, even if it's just one degree off, you're, you're now way off base because you've never created margin to slow down to go, God, am I going in the right direction? God, should I be saying yes to this? Is this a healthy decision? What do you want? Those conversations only take place with margin. As you can see, following Jesus is more about direction than speed. I love this verse in 2 Timothy. It says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. My prayer for each and every one of you is that we, when we die, can stand before and be able to say this about you. And here's what it says. 
You notice that there's nothing about your bank account on here. It doesn't tell us how big your business is. Doesn't tell us, it doesn't tell us anything about speed. What this tells us is about direction. And so my prayer for us when we create margin is that we would create margin, we'd slow down under three miles an hour and align our feet in the direction that is following Jesus. Let him be the pace setter. And then we slowly, with faithfulness, follow after him. Amen? Here's my prayer for you. May we adjust our pace. May we slow down so that we can see. See God's work in the world. See how we might join him in what he's doing and see the people around us. And as Jesus walks by Central Florida, Jesus sees you. Jesus is our three mile per hour God. And he wants to walk with you. He will not run. He will walk. And as he does, he will call you by name and say, hey, why don't you walk with me? There is a greater life that I offer. It is a different life, but it's a life that I promise will bless your soul. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. God, I openly um, repent with my brothers and sisters. It seems like from a young age, all I knew was full throttle. Go as fast as possible, accomplish as much as possible. And I thought I was being productive. And in some areas of my life, I was. But in the midst of being productive, my soul was deteriorating. And I was causing pain on me and so many others around me. And God, I have a feeling that others in here can share a similar story. So God, would you help us to slow down? Would you help us to create margin? Would you put a governor on our life that we can't go more than three miles an hour? God, we want you to be the pace setter of journey. We want you to be the pace setter of our family, of our, of our business, of our marriage, of our lives, of our friends and neighbor. Would you be the pace setter? And God, would you help us to live the kind of life where your burden is not heavy? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.